0: Our relationships. Um, we talked about the first, the first four, and how how they they dealt with our horizontal relation or our vertical relationships with with God primarily. And now we've shifted, and we're we're starting to look at our relationships with each other. Now, certainly, the two affect each other. Right, our our, our standing and our relationship with God affect our relationship with each other, and the. And as we'll see today, and this is maybe a little less obvious, we don't think about it as much. But our horizontal relationships affect our relationship with the Lord. They have they have an effect, and we'll see in Scripture that the that, that God has outlined that that He has He has made that clear to us. And we're we're going to look at at that um, today. You know uh, the. the so we are in Exodus 20, it's where the Ten Commandments are, and, and today's, today's verse is, is, is one of the shortest verses in the Bible. So um, you may not think that it is, uh, th- there's a, a lot in it, it seems pretty straightforward. Exodus 20, verse 13, you must not murder, right? Typically, you know, <laughs> must not murder, okay. Have I killed anybody? No. Cool. Moving on, right? Like that's kind of typically how we we see this verse. But there is um, there is a lot here to process, actually. And um, uh, as we'll see, it, there is Jesus comes years later and and just blows this verse up in our lives and takes what something we thought we had down pat and um, just really messes it up for us. You ever you ever like think you're done with something like cleaning? Um, I, I, I don't know if you have kids, maybe you've experienced this. You like take two hours and you clean up the upstairs and it's all, you know, you finally get it put back together and you go downstairs and you, you clean downstairs and you're all excited. You, finally, the house is just put back in order. You think you're done and then you go back upstairs and somehow in the 20 minutes you were downstairs cleaning, your children have managed to what seems like exactly put every toy back where it was in the same spot where you can't see the floor yet again. That, that's kind of what, 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 what Jesus does to, us with the, does to us with this verse in, in the New Testament. But we'll, I'm getting ahead of myself, we'll get to there. Um, you must not murder. Now, just some some context points for this. This seems even even in its day, it seems pretty straightforward. But there but there was a reason. There was more to it than God saying uh, to the Israelites and to us, you know, don't 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 be a serial killer. Um, first off, he, we have to remember this is there was not a police force in Israel. This is still a point in, the, in the, their history where um, they are not, not an established nation with all of the systems that we would think of. They were more a, a, nomadic, a nomadic group of refugees than they were an established nation. And so um, what would happen is, is it was common at, 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 in those days when there was a death, um, families would feel the obligation to carry out punishment for the crimes, especially deaths caused by another in the community. Now, this, this may be uh, kind of murder as we think of it. You know, somebody, two people get in, get in an argument or, or over land or whatever, all the motives you can think of. Um, but it extended even beyond that. This was talking about if a family member believed that somebody, through their neglect or or their, um, or even an accident caused the death of a loved one, they would take it upon themselves at times. Excuse me, to see to see quote unquote justice done, and you may you've probably heard the term blood feud. This is this is in the culture. This is how those things would start because um, you can imagine if if. Somebody somebody dies and their family members blame somebody and decide to kill them back. How I many you know that family may not agree? They may not agree that that's exactly what should have happened. And so, well, you killed killed you know my, my relative. So now I have to kill one of yours, and then it would create these all-out family wars. Um, and so this is this is kind of. Uh, the culture or the, the situation that the Lord is trying to trying to stop, trying to negate with with this with this command. The edict from the Lord forced people to allow the community leaders to mediate the situation instead of it devolving into these into these many many wars. Now, in our day, with our form of government, it's easy to think that that we have little application for this, right? We we have systems, we have laws, and and certainly certainly they are not perfect, and they are not executed even with with uh, the perfection that we would hope. And there's there's issues there, but but we have them, and they and they 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 work. There's a place that we can go, um, and so we we don't deal with this as nearly as as much as as initially when, when this edict was given. Um, but in, in the book of Matthew, we find a collection of Jesus' teachings known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's, m- much of it is dedicated to Jesus spelling out to us the heart of the Ten Commandments. It's him revealing the, the, to, to the people of Israel and to us what, what was the thinking, what was the motivation behind the original law. And we see in Matthew 5, Jesus addressed this specific command. He says, you have heard our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. That's the, that's the original. But here, now Jesus is going to take, you know, take our nice clean upstairs and he's just going to throw all the toys back out. Um, he says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being, th- being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in dangers of the fires of hell. That's a, that's a mess for us. Okay, this, <laughs> this, this verse is a problem for us. Jesus is, is extending the command from the act of murder or, or vengeance and says that we are accountable even for the desire for these things. And then he gives us some examples of the types of responses that come out of an angry heart. See, now, now we are not, he, Jesus is saying we're not only accountable for, for an, the ultimate act Of anger, but we are accountable for the source, the anger itself in our hearts, he's saying we ought not have. And he gives some some examples um, of insults, demeaning, teasing. And notice there's there's not a there's not um there's no qualifiers on the end of that. He didn't put unless. They really are, right? (laughs) Or unless they're a a public figure that you don't actually know, so it doesn't really count. Or unless they did it first. He says... None. No insults. No demeaning. No teasing. No. And then he goes on. He talks about these. He talks about curses. Now, when we, we read the, the the you know that term curses in the Bible, we think we think like you know incantations, and we think we think uh, you know calling on evil spirits and that's certainly part of it but curses were nothing more than a proclamation of someone's future failure spoken in anger that's really what a curse is and it's it's tricky Because at times the only difference between an honest conversation or guidance or discipleship or if you're parenting discipline and a curse is the presence of anger in your heart. It's one thing to, to have a conversation with, with, with somebody because there's something destructive that they're doing and out of a heart of concern for them, you, you go to them and you try and explain to them the dangers of their actions and, and help, help them see the consequences of those actions. Man, if you keep doing this, this you know, if you keep doing X, Y and Z is coming and, and you, you gotta stop. That's one thing. That comes out of a, a heart of love but cursing can look very similar if you but if you add anger to the same thoughts then it comes out as not advice now we're pronouncing we're pronouncing judgment on you are nothing and you are going to end up like this that's different and these aren't the only these aren't the only things that we do in anger There's others as well. Um, withholding. We can withhold and anger is not always this, this, this big giant show, this big giant expression. Got any bottlers in the room? My hand's not up just to make you feel better. I'm actually raising my hand. Where when you feel angry, when you get when you get upset. The, the, your go-to is to just zip it, right? You just kind of go, go catatonic, or we withhold affection, we withhold um, help because we're we're angry, you know, the silent treatment. Some of us, some of you may 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 know that either from. Giving or receiving, we're out of out of a, a place of a, being being hurt or being upset or being angry. We we cut off the lines of communication, gossiping. You know, talking to talking behind someone's back about their flaws to somebody else, sabotaging. You know, you, you you're angry maybe with a, a friend or a um, a spouse or, or someone, and and it's it you know it's so maybe you know active sabotaging. We we think of like doing something to to trip somebody up, but sometimes it's sometimes it's just not. It's it's a it's sabotage by omission, right? You you, you see them, you see somebody, you're angry with them, but you, and you see that they forgot something. They they're walking out the, the place and they forgot their cell phone. And you're like, you know what? They'll be fine. I'll let them handle that. When we intentionally let somebody fail at something that we could have prevented just because there's a relation or an emotional hindrance there. Intimidation. Where we, we, we make ourselves bigger to try and kind of bully somebody. Now that can be physical or it can be it can be emotional or intellectual. There's a there's a, a lot of uh, small skinny people that are the biggest bullies in the world, not because they've got big arms, but because they got big brains. And they can use that to, to push down, to intimidate those around them. And there's some of us that have really high, maybe not IQ, but EQ. Emotional intelligence. And, we can use, and you can use that to be a bully as well. To be able to identify, you know, you, you know who you are. Some, some of us have the ability in a moment to identify emotions and see what, what's going on kind of in the hearts and the minds of the people around us. And that can be used to, when we're angry, we can use that against the other person just like that. We all have go-to forms of retaliation. Or... Maybe what a little more palatable way we, we describe it to ourselves is, we, we have our own defense mechanisms. right? That's what we, we tend to call it to ourselves because that, that sounds better. What's yours? What, just right now, just in your own head, what 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 are the things that you do when you when you feel attacked or you get angry? What are what are your go-to moves? You don't have to, don't have to say them out loud, because chances are the person you're sitting next to already knows. Um, but be thinking. I want you to think about that Seriously, Honestly, even now as we, we continue the the message, because we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, and deal with it in a little bit. But Jesus is commanding in this text uh, for us to abstain from these kinds of behavior. These kinds of, not, his words, not mine, this kind of murder. And the text, he gives us some good reasons why. So I, and I want to give them to you uh, right now. So three reasons not to kill anybody. Wouldn't think that we need Three of them, but apparently Jesus did because he, he gave us three reasons. Um, first one is, one, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because when we, when we participate in these behaviors, what we're doing is we're acting out of anger. It's really just an attempt to stop the pain we feel by inflicting pain on the other person. That's what these, all of these behaviors do. When we act out in anger, when we, when we withhold, when we harass, when we sabotage, all of these things, when we do them, all we're doing is trying to inflict pain on the other person in an attempt to stop our pain. But here's the problem. That doesn't work at all. And it's funny because we see this in, in children, and it's obvious. We all know, you know, you, you see... You see a kid or you know, siblings and one pushes the other and you know the rest of the next 10 minutes, right? The other pushes the other one back. Then they kick, then they don't. Then they fight, and then they yell. And next thing you know, they're both, they're both screaming, right? And, and, and you're going, well, I saw that coming. Well, and we try and teach them. Don't do that. You can't, you can't return the, the punch with a punch. It's never going to work. You're, don't do that. But then we grow up, and we get sophisticated, and we get smart, and and we don't do that anymore. What we do is a complex response rooted in our personal, creative, formative years. Translation, childish. Right? We, We grew up, but we never matured. It doesn't work. Pain for pain, eye for an eye. What's the saying? An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. We, you will never get comfort through inflicting pain. That's not how you were created. That's not how this world was created. It will never work. Number two, not only will it not work, it will backfire on you. We see in this verse. Um, if look back at the verse. He says, you know, Jesus, Jesus tells us, if you commit murder, you're, you're subject to judgment. And I say, if you're angry with someone, uh, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are dangerous in being brought to court. And if you curse someone, you're in, dangers, in danger of the fires of hell. These are two separate judgments, consequences, backfires, of our behavior when we engage and when we engage in acting on our anger and allowing the anger to manifest in us. The first one, he says, you know, being brought before the court. This is talking about earthly, an earthly judgment. This can mean this can mean real court. Like you really went off, and now you're in earthly court, right? You're you're in, you, you got a judge and a bailiff and some bars. That's, that's earthly court. But it does, sometimes, most of the time, I hope for most of us, that's not like a common thing that we're dealing with, earthly court because of our anger. But there are other, other earthly courts that we deal with, relational court, where it hurt, we hurt the other person and now, now they have a judgment against us. They have something against us. Or the court of public opinion, because when we act out in anger, everybody sees and it affects how people see and, and react to you. Especially because a lot of times, they don't know the whole backstory. You know, it's always the second kid that gets punished. Right? Usually it's the brother. Because, you know, girls tend to be trickier. There's. Sl- <laughs> Get away with more. <laughs> but we can get caught and we get judged by these actions. They come back to bite us, not only here on earth, but also in heaven. It says, uh, You are in, dangers, in danger of the fires of hell. There is, a, there is a heavenly judgment that happens when we act out in anger. Listen, God values all of us and seeks justice. For all of us. And like any parent, he doesn't care who started it. You are responsible for you. And God will hold you accountable for your actions. When we inflict pain on another of his children, we, we step out of his protection and we step under his discipline. It's like he has this, this umbrella that the Lord holds out for us. It's this umbrella of, of blessing and protection from the, the storms around us. But when, when we act out in anger, when we go against his will, when we, when we disobey him, when we step out on, on him, we step out from that umbrella. And then, then we want to, you know get angry and upset and, and all confused because we, we, we just, God, where have you been? Why am I getting so wet? And he's like, well. Come on. I'm the God that never changes. I'm still here holding this umbrella. If you're getting wet, it's because you're not under it. You're going to have to move because I ain't. It will backfire. And some good news. The third reason, he has a better way. And this is the main reason. There's a better way. There's a better way than acting out in anger. There's a better way than just shutting down and, and not ever expressing it. There's a better way than using your big brain to make everybody around you feel stupid. There's a better way than being able to just remember all of the faults of everybody around you and whip them out anytime you feel defensive. So if we go on in the, in the scripture, we, he will show us this better way. He says, so, now so, just FYI, so is a great important word in the Bible. It's, it's kind of right up there with therefore. Like when you see the word so or, or therefore, that means typically there's a good chance that whatever you've been reading about, you're about to get an answer to. Right? He's so, so, and in, 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 we read it in scripture earlier, so, so, in view of God's mercy, that, that verse is a, a hinge for that whole book, where he's saying, all the stuff I've just said, I'm about to tell you what that means. So here we go. Jesus is saying, so, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there on the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Reconciliation. As one of his children, we are under his protection. We don't need the old fleshly ways of guarding ourselves. If we will stay under the umbrella, He will be our our strong right hand. He will be our refuge. He will be the place that we can go where his protection is is what is protecting us, not yours. But you have to choose between them. That's, That's a theme throughout the Bible. You choose my way or your way. Blessing or cursing. Serve me or money. Serve me or the gods of who's around us. Jesus is calling us to a different kind of of life. To be a people that values reconciliation over retribution. To be a people that value getting back together more than getting back at them. A life that has the the courage to have confrontational, awkwardly honest conversations with the people around us. Instead of reaching into our old bag of tricks, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to speak the truth in love. To forgive to seek reconciliation even before the other person realizes or, or has, has come to a place where they are looking to, to make, make a change in their own life. Your primary goal when you experience conflict with someone shouldn't be to win the argument or to be right, it should be to hear and to be heard. And to be reconciled. Sometimes our, our con- this conflict, a lot of times, it's, it's rooted in, in our emotions, right? We feel a certain way about something somebody said or did. And they feel a certain way about something you said or did. And... Um, this is true in, in, in my relationship with Shannon, that just like any other relationship. And when we when we have those moments, especially on my part, if it's if it's if the conflict we are in is a result of an emotion I'm having, um much of the time it falls on her to actually help me understand my emotions so that we can deal with it. Because I am very emotionally unaware when it comes to myself. That's a weird thing. I'm good with other people's emotions. I'm great at putting myself in other people's shoes. It's my own shoes I can't find most of the time. She has to help me. <laughs> it's silly, but it is. It sounds silly, but it is true. She has to help me realize that it's not about the, the coffee cup or the whatever. Right? That there's something else. And... Thankfully, I, I have a wife that is wise enough and, and patient enough and gentle enough to be able to have, to, to have that be her goal in, in that moment, to help me figure out what, that, what the real issue is, what I'm really feeling, and why, why, is there, why are we having this conflict over something that, that normally we wouldn't, or why am I acting the way I am towards her? But we only get there when... Sometimes when she chooses to put being right aside or being, being, um, being bigger, and help me sit and go, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna react to your actions. I'm going to respond to your heart, and we're just gonna deal with that. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to try and inflict pain back on you just because you said something that hurt me. I'm going to share that, that, that it hurt me. I'm going to be vulnerable enough in that moment to say that, hey, that was, that was over the line, or that hurt, or what, Why? What, what, is, what is this? Is there something going on? And we're able to talk about it and most of the time work through it. If you want to see restoration in your relationships, see your relationships thrive in a deeper, more enjoyable way, we have to do it through the grace given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and stop responding in anger and respond in love instead. We have to put down, you know, the scripture and apostles, they talk a lot about putting off and putting on. A lot of times it's big biblically words, but um, we can put we can put some more you know regular vernacular to it. You know, no more snark and sarcastic jabs. We have to get rid of them. No more looking for faults in the other person to attack with, or keeping that you know that mental running log that we have in, in the in the back that would just have it locked and loaded. No more withholding respect or affection to let them know that you're upset. No more gossiping behind your coworker or your boss's back about their shortcomings. Instead, we need to reach for forgiveness and for for understanding. Instead, we need to take our our anger to the Lord in prayer and confession. See, it's not that we want to bottle it all up. We just have to take it to the right place. And the right place is God. There, you can be as raw as you want. There's a whole book dedicated to it. It's called Psalms. David's personal venting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's poems and songs he wrote, and if you read, it doesn't take, you don't have to read many of them to see that he was completely honest with the Lord. We can go to God, and we can, that is where we need to unload, and we should be in that moment, be as raw as you want. Call people names, tell God, you know, get, I mean, read some of the stuff David wrote, you know, you could ask God to smite them, and Hit them with whatever, take their candy, take their car, whatever. <laughs> Sick the IRS on them, doesn't, whatever. Because that's, that's what God has set up. He says, I'm big enough. But, we, but here's the thing. We have to stay there long enough for him to change the conversation. Because you'll see, if you, re- if you read any of the Psalms, there's a change that happens. Through expressing that to the Lord, eventually his presence shows up. And eventually, there's a heart exchange. And eventually, it start going- we start- stop looking at this other person and wanting vengeance. So we start looking at God and asking for mercy for ourselves. Because none of us deserve it. And when we, when we step into his presence, we're reminded of that. And when, we, when we're reminded of the mercy that we've received and the grace that we've received, now we have something that we, we can give to somebody else. When we submit to his way of doing things, we put ourselves back under his umbrella. Lily, if you want to come back up. We put ourselves back under, under his protection not just from situations changing, but in our own hearts, which is probably a bigger, a bigger deal. Doing things the way, the way God has instructed us to do protects our hearts from, from bitterness, from growing cold, from, from losing hope. And that's that's the real thing we should be protecting, even more than circumstances. A lot of times when we talk about God's protection, we talk about we think about it in terms of, of Him stopping bad things from happening to us. But the worst thing that could happen to you is your mind and your heart turn cold to the relationships around you and poison them. If that's happening, nothing else really matters. Whether you're in a a mansion and got all your bills paid and you're retired or you're not sure where rent's gonna come from if 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 your relationships aren't restored, if your connections to each other and to to God aren't right, life will be miserable. we have to seek this restorative love and seek it in the presence of God. Because listen, that has to be the first step because listen, restorative love isn't just about not reacting in anger. That's the first part of it. But it's not, we don't just not be angry at people or not lash out so that we can be nice and quiet and never cause trouble. It doesn't mean being a doormat. Listen, Jesus was the most loving person to ever walk the earth. He also was one of the most confrontational. Those things are not mutually exclusive. In in fact, if you are never, if, if your goal in life is to avoid confrontation, then there is a whole section of love that you cannot express to people. Because love at times is confrontational. It's being gentle but direct in telling others when they are causing you pain. Because remember we talked about earlier how, how everybody is a child of God. How God is passionate and zealous for justice for everybody. That includes you. This is, this is a, I, I was in a, one of, when I was in um, Bible, Bible school there was a, we did a, one of the uh, intensives we were in was about forgiveness and um, I'll, never, I'll never forget the, the way uh, th- this concept that the, the professor had about seeing ourselves in that light that do you realize when people attack you when people cause you pain this verse that we've been reading applies to them so they are bringing judgment on themselves through causing you pain. And if we would get that, if we would truly understand that and believe that, man, that would change a lot. It would change our our felt need to defend ourselves. And in confrontation now, instead of, trying to deal with an issue from a position of trying to protect myself, I'm now confronting you. I'm now trying to help you because I see the judgment that's coming. It's like, um, oh man, I'm get myself in trouble. Um, most of you know there was a, a section of my life that I was not the upstanding citizen that you know today. And I, I was running around, you know, living, living an ungodly life. And I had ungodly friends, and, but I had good friends. And I had a couple of friends, uh, two friends in particular, that we would go out, we'd go to bars and clubs or whatever. And when I was with those two friends, my behavior was a little different than when they weren't there. Because these two guys, their favorite thing to do when we went out was to get in a fight. And so when I was out with them, when we would get into situations, um, you know, and you know, if you hope, hopefully many of you aren't super familiar with, with bar culture, you know, down in the, when it, you know, 1 32 o'clock in the morning, but when we would come into these situations and there would be conflict, when my, when my two friends were with me, I was way—I was very bold. I would, I would step to, to anybody that wanted to get in my face. My attitude was completely different than when I was just there with some of my other friends because I knew my buddies were there and I knew I didn't have to talk to them, we didn't have to have a meeting, I didn't have to do nothing. I knew that if there was ever a confrontation with somebody, I could be as bold as I wanted because that person was never going to get close enough to do me any harm. Because I knew my friends were going to jump all over them. Now, in that situation, the reason was because they enjoyed fighting, not because they loved me so much. Um, and it's a really weird picture, but it's a, it's a, I think it's an accurate picture. If we would apply that to our own lives with the Lord... That when people come at us, they are actually putting themselves in grave danger of the Lord's discipline and justice coming on them. And if we would approach people with truly with that as our heart motivation, that I love you, and this is not going to end well for you. What? How can we fix this? Because I can't. The behavior, the thing that's going on, the way you're talking to me, the thing you're doing to me—it's not acceptable. And it's not even about what you accept. It's about what the Lord accepts. And so, from that position, we are then helping the other person avoid God's judgment. We have to be confrontational, we have to be willing to tell others when they're causing your pain, we have to be strong enough to say no to others. And as we get better at dealing with with our emotions, as we get better at dealing with our anger properly with our relationships, we will reach new levels of depth with each other. Your marriage will be stronger. Your, Your relationship with your friends will grow. And you'll know each other more fully and be able to be even more open and more honest with each other and provide each other with more support. So how do we start? What do we, what do we do? What are the steps in implementing this in, into our life? And it's not, it's not rocket science, but I want to give so I want to give us all a moment to just kind of I'm gonna give you a how many are there? There's five five things real quick. But I don't want to just give them to you. I want us to actually actively Walk through this process as we go, okay? This is something that you can, you can do and should do something, some form of this. this. This isn't a formula, of course, but this is something, if you would make this a regular pattern in your life to go through this process on a regular basis, it, it you know, we talk, we've been talking about transformation this morning. It will transform you. It will transform your relationships, I promise, So how do, we, how do we do this? Well, first, we, together with the Holy Spirit, we take inventory of our, of our life and our relationships, especially the spots that cause us the most anger or the most pain or the, the places where you think you are displaying those, those traits where you're spe- you know you're speaking out of anger, you know you know that' you're, you're withholding, who are, who, are the, who are the people that you most commonly find yourself doing that with? What are the situations that, that are normally around when that happens? I encourage you even right now, we're just going I'm just going to give us some space in here to think of these things at at, your moment, at, at this moment. you may want to even. If you've got pen and paper or pull out your note on your phone, write them down. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just, right now, and to each one of us, whether we're here or at home, God, would you just bring to our minds the things that, that you, have, you have a case with us, that you want to, to deal with us on, even in this moment, God. Who are the people that that are causing you pain in your life? What are the situations that are causing you anger?